This is a HeadGum Podcast. Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm late to train the Shut up. You're here. And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. And this episode was recorded one on one at Headgum's Studios in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, and it was a d- delight to sit down with Josh Gondelman, who has an enviable career and an admirable career for someone in comedy. Um, so for comedy nerds, uh, it'll be a fun episode to hear from someone who writes during the day for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO. Um, Gondelman also has his own uh second comedy album out which is called Physical Whisper and he co-authored the book You Blew It he's written for Billy on the Street McSweeney's New York Magazine The New Yorker and he's going to be appearing on At Midnight and you can see him performing all over the country as well so here's my interview with the one and only Josh Gottman All that you be Josh, I'm both admiring, envious, and also um, confounded by how you manage all these different things. Like, you're on television, you're also performing all of... I realize you're not on television every day. Yeah, very rarely. That takes up a very small slice of my time. <laughs> you were on television for five minutes, so that, in my head, no. Um, but I am, I am, in all sincerity, curious how you balance logistically... Um, you write for a television show, you yourself perform stand-up all the time, and you also um, do a bunch of articles, and I imagine you're, I I know you did a short film, so I imagine you're working on scripts as well. So the biggest bulk of my time and where my allegiance and attention is mostly is to my day job, and then I'm doing uh, stand-up a lot, but that's just kind of a thing that I've wound up and continues to go. And, which I like. It's like uh, I'm happy to get to do that at the end of most days. And my stand-up writing has slowed because I'm working during the day at a different writing position, So, which I at first was like a little discouraging. And then I was like, oh, wait, but this other thing is so wonderful. And like I can easily make peace with not keeping pace with you know, my most prolific stand-up writer friends. Because everybody, you know, you go out and see shows and oh, you're yeah. like, oh, man, how does this guy, like, how does Mike Kaplan, let's say, have another, yeah. a new half hour? And it's like, oh, he is, like, constantly dedicated to this art and craft. And yeah. so I had to go, like, I can't hold myself to that gold standard. In uh, general, though, I think you can't hold yourself to the gold standard of Mike Kaplan. Agreed. Yeah. And, and but, like, I, I so I had to... To one can't, one can't, right, right. You can't, Josh. <laughs> yeah, it's so that kind of happens. And then when I have time to sit down and write, I do that for stand up. And then uh, all the other stuff kind of fits in in the margins. I don't do a lot of pitching stories places anymore. So if someone approaches me, then I will. Or if I have like a thought in my head of something that I think would be like a fun shouts and murmurs. I'll write it on a Monday or a Tuesday, which is like the one benefit of working an opposite schedule from my fiance is that we on my weekend, there's no opportunity to like hang out and have a fun time. So I just stay in and like work more or less or like 
hang out with the dog and it's nice. And the weekends I thought you were working. But what I mean is my, she works Monday through Friday. I work yeah. Wednesday through Sunday. It's yeah. so like my weekend is Monday. So it's like, Oh God, I got it. Got so it. it's, it's not like we have like lazy Mondays together. Yeah. Today we kind of did cause she came home from a business trip, but uh, usually it's like, Oh, I can, the upside is like, I can work on side, a little side projects like that. Right. Stand up. And I love that you can be on Twitter this whole time. Like, I feel like you'll be writing these essays and then like you're on Twitter. That's a compulsion that I should restrict. <laughs> like, I Why just, like, restrict I it? just like tweet too much and I should focus better. But I like build in when I'm doing stuff for myself, when I'm like, I'm going to write some stand up or like, I'm going to work on this essay for a, a book whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm like, well, I'll build in a bunch of time to like screw around and tweet and like text my friend who had just occurred to me like, Oh, my friend just uh, went on vacation somewhere interesting. I'll text them about it. And like, whatever it is. So I, uh, I fill my day up pretty quickly because I allow for so much nonsense in my process. Um, are you working on any scripts right now? I know you had done a short film with Micah Sherman. I did. That was really fun. I'm not, uh, I don't have anything going right now. I'm thinking about some ideas and like, but I, I'm lately having a lot of trouble gearing up to write something big on my own just because the, the little stuff is so fun and the, my job takes up so much like energy and attention and is so exciting to be at. And I'm so again, grateful to be there that like the idea of like, and and now I'm going to have this ongoing larger project like a stand-up album was so great because it was an an hour-long performance that I could you know that I then edited or I worked with an editor to edit and uh helped with you know conceived of the design and everything but it was material that I'd written over a period of roughly four years so it wasn't like uh it wasn't like I had any hard deadlines or that I had to kind of get myself into a frenzy to finish anything. I was just like, oh, it's ready. It was like I was baking a cake for several years that I didn't realize was baking. And then I was like, oh, now there's a cake and all I have to do is frost it. Do you feel more confident now after doing Conan? Oh, no, terror. Uh, Again, uh, I just feel scared because, not just scared, I'm very pleased with it and I'm very uh, happy and I feel like more stable. Like I feel like my, like, that can never be taken away. So I've always, I've always gotten to that point. And the album was on the billboard comedy charts, which is exciting. It was it debuted at number four. And then I think plummeted like a stone, but the first week was very exciting. Uh, and was, it was number one on iTunes for like a whole week. So that was, it was like a lot of excitement and a lot of these things that are kind of like, Oh, I could look back on this, but like this benchmark has been recorded for me outside of my own memory of like, that was a fun show. And so, so that's exciting to have reached, but now it's, I'm in a position of like, Oh, this was really great. And now I have to start generating new material and, and working hard still so that I don't, or so that I can continue like to progress. Right. So, yeah. So it's like, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm not like I've made it. I'm like, okay, I'm at this point now and I have to like keep working hard because I, I want to live up to the person that my resume says I am. I was thinking like, do the stakes feel higher or is it that they feel the the same? Meaning like, do you feel the same pressure you did when you were starting out? That's a great question. I guess there are places where I feel less pressure and then, but I'm also in position 
to go places where there's more pressure. So Does that what, make sense? Yeah. So, so let's break that down. So like, what are the places that you feel less pressure and what are the places where you're like, hmm. So I've been working on, so it's, I, I have a little more leeway at like, you know, little Brooklyn bar shows. And I feel like I, I have a slight grace period where I can, where I don't feel like I have to prove myself as much as I feel like I have to do a good job. And, and you know, I, I, I don't uh, flagellate myself if I'm like, oh, that joke didn't work the way I wish it did. You know, I, I can just feel like comfortable and be like, and it's probably all in my own head. Like there probably weren't people judging me trying to tear me down before, but now I feel like a little less uh, anxiety over that kind of thing. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, I'm headlining more on the road and doing more clubs in the city. And I feel like those places I still have to um, prove myself that, that I like should be allowed back and, right, you know, right. and should stay in those rosters or like I was a, uh, it's the inevitability of live theater also though, to some degree mm-hmm. and entertainment I yeah. feel like, where they just want your last credit. Like I'll see people and they'll be like, who's that guy, David Tell? I'm like, he's been performing for 50 years. He's like, the best. <laughs> he, like, yeah. Right. Like David Tell. Right. If but someone, they just look for the newest credit yeah. and like, I mean, which is a great credit, but it's, it's such a small part of and him. It's, it's also like being in New York. It's not like David Tell graduates from New York. Do you know what I yes. mean? Like yes. David Tell is going to be on a dozen plus shows every week in the city. And so it's like, you have to, now you're like breathing his air. Do you know what I mean? So that's where the stakes feel higher for you. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I have to prove that I should, that I belong like on that, on the shows with him or whoever, like, um, who did I like? I was at Stand Up New York uh, last weekend and it's like, okay, I have to bring it here. It's great. It's like such a lovely room. And, uh, I'm like, okay, I have to bring it to show. Do you that ever I walk into in any room and not feel like it's a lovely room? I feel like you have such a yeah, there are a warm that disposition. I, there are a few less in the city, but there are like places I've been where I'm like, oh, this is not for me. Certainly, I would prefer not to come back. New York Comedy Club. No, I like New York Comedy Club. See, I feel like you can take any place. The bathroom at New York Comedy Club. Bathroom has been renovated. Oh, okay, never mind. Well, I'll take that back. I'll retract <laughs> that because I haven't seen the new bathroom. It is a totally fine bathroom. I. Um, yes, uh, there, there are bathrooms that the bathroom at, I can say this openly, there's not a bar there anymore. And there's, so there's not a show there, but cabin with the Thursday night show, which is now comedy is a second language has moved to the Delancey, I believe, but it's the bathroom at cabin was like a one person, the, the men's room, there was a, um, uh, toilet and a urinal, no divider, no lock on the door. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's like a high stakes bathroom experience. <laughs> you cannot like, yeah. So you just have to try to be fast and you need a bodyguard. It is a lot. Yeah. But, but, but performing in New York, aside from the bathrooms, which may be even in Boston, New York, but when you moved to New York from Boston, you felt like it was moving into a new echelon. I think so. I mean, my first show that I did that I was booked on to do in New York was, um, Sam Morell and Harrison Greenbaum used to run a show. It, um, These are two comedians. Yeah, right, 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 right. Very, both very funny. And um, they, they were very great. They were guys that I'd known from before. Harrison, we were in college at the same time. And so we knew each other from Boston. And then 
Sam, I forget where we met, but we like have known each other since before I was here. So they very graciously invited me to do their show like my second night after I moved to New York. And after, as I was on stage, Jim Gaffigan came in to like drop in and do a set. So he saw, and he like got on stage and referenced something that I'd said, which was like an enormous thrill. He's like one of my favorite comedians. So it was an enormous thrill just that he like was aware that I not, you know, even if he didn't remember who I was, was like momentarily aware of my existence. And so I was like, Oh, I'm here now. Not like I've arrived. I'm doing it, but it's like, Oh, I'm here. I better be good. Because, yeah. like, this is who I'm, ex- this is who I'm expected to, like, be on shows with. Not, and not that people think that I'm, like, as accomplished or as talented um, or deserve anything. But it's, like, if you're on the shows with, like, these excellent comedians who have accomplished every conceivable goal artistically and career-wise, you have to be good. Well, it seems like now you, you write for a television show, which is, I think, one of the greatest shows I'm watching well, that's right now. Thank you. Um, and so you have immediate clout there. You write for the New Yorker and you have performed on um, television shows. You're going to do at midnight and you've had your own albums and you've co-authored a book. I would imagine that you can relax a little in terms of thinking like, uh, focus more on the creative aspects of the work or is that sure. not true? But what I, uh, what I mean is I guess, Yeah. But I have to create good things. That's what it is. It's not like I feel like, oh, I've never done anything. I feel like very um, proud of the things I've accomplished and like excited to try to create more work that I'm proud of. But, excuse me, and, and I've gotten to work in excellent company. Like at, uh, at Last Week Tonight, I would work with wonderful, amazing people. And, uh, but yeah, I think like there's something about stand-up where it's like, well, I have to be good tonight. <laughs> like, right. do you know what right. I mean? Like when you're writing a book uh, or co-writing a book, you can kind of be like, well, it's Wednesday. Uh, nothing's due tomorrow. Yeah. I can stink today. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But like when you're doing stand-up, you're like, it's Wednesday. I'm at Broadway Comedy Club and I can't stink. Like I have to be, I have to like do the work tonight. Yeah, yeah. And not that I have to have a new set that's going to be, that's going to light up the room, but it's like, I, you can't, stand up doesn't let you rest. You have to be, have that like shark, like constant movement because it's about practice and like creating new stuff. I always feel very self-conscious in front of comics being like, well, here's the same old garbage. That's the people who I feel the most self-conscious in front Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Like I can perform in front of strangers and thousands of people, but I feel so judged and I, it, it's all about, in part why I stopped stand-up, I would come into a room sweating, like, I hope this is okay with them. Yeah, totally. Or I'd be like, oh, that person's funny. They've already got this covered. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here. Like, that <laughs> They've was already got of- this covered. <laughs> See, that's the narcissism where I have, where it's like, I can help. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably the right approach. On that note, um, I just wanted to ask you, so, like, you seem extremely uh, emotionally intact, and I noticed that. Thank you. That's my best credit. <laughs> it is actually, um, but it's it is. Your next comedian has a capacity <laughs> for love and feeling. It is extraordinary to see someone so uh, emotionally available and well adjusted and positive and perky. Thank you. Um, in the comedy world. Thank you. Was that a question? <laughs> it was a statement. Well, I appreciate it. Do you do you feel like you stick out? Do you feel like a minority? No, I, I feel I'm, 
I think I'm very fortunate to have like had a, an excellent family life as a child and like a pretty lucky brain chemistry. And also my work is better when it's more positive. That's like for real. Like I can't, I can't get on stage and be like, Oh, I'm a real piece of garbage. This world is a toilet. It doesn't sound authentic to me. And I don't write it skillfully. Like someone like a towel who we brought up, who can just like get on stage and say like, real weird, gross things. You're just like, man, that's the best. I'm so delighted by this. Never stop doing that. But it's like, I, it's my act is like, at my standup and my other writing, I think plays better when it comes from a place of like enthusiasm. And, and that took a long time to learn and to like key into, like I'm working on a new joke and I don't know whether it will stay or not, but it, I think the premise is like 100% my voice, which sounds like a weird thing to say because it like came out of my head, but about like being excited to have in-laws is like an exciting, as like an exciting prospect is like a very silly, very like me premise to start from. And it goes against the grain. I mean, I think that that it, you do stick out in that way. I also like it because I think a lot of times people pathologize artists and they'll be like, they have to get on stage. They need the attention or this is a good way to get women or it's always about, um, that they're doing this as an action versus a talent or a, a right. you know, an art form. And even um, artists themselves do that and comedians do that themselves do yeah. that. And as someone who did not have a functional childhood, all of that stuff got in the way for me. Like it mm-hmm. didn't, it, that's the stuff that instead of being like, Oh, they need me here. I was like, I guess this is covered. Yeah. I so, think there's like a real mythology of like artists have to be sad and art has to come from pathos. Yeah. And, but I think like, you can see, you can be funny and in for some comedians like insightful without, without relying on whether it's um, turbulence in your personal life or addiction or mental illness as like a, the fuel, right? Like even if you're writing about that experience, that doesn't have to fuel what you're doing. I feel like, or or just because you're writing about those things doesn't mean that the other people who experience them can necessarily be as funny about it. Totally. I think Chris Gethard wrote, I might have even been on his own blog, uh, like really uh, eloquently about that kind of idea of like being okay with trying to live a healthy life rather than like thinking that what made you feel bad is the same as what makes you special and artistic. Uh, and I think like that's a really valuable. Well, it's the thing. lens, right? It's the lens as to how you look at all of these things. Yeah. And you can, you can see through the, your same filter without like, I think mythologizing things that make you unhappy and, uh, and make your life worse. Like you don't have to lionize your own sadness. I don't, not that a lot of great art doesn't come from, you know, a dark place, but I, I don't think you have to court that. What I'm art. saying though, is it's, it's not necessarily whether the art comes from a dark place. Oh, sure. Um, as someone who comes from a dark place, but the more that one's lens on those things, that's the, key. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Lost I, in that translation. Yes, absolutely. Is, is my, it's like how you express, how you express and describe yeah. rather than like the quantity of that feeling. Like you 
could grow up in the same dysfunctional family as someone else and that that uh, your sibling becomes an accountant like yeah. it doesn't mean that like and they're not a better accountant <laughs> because they had a hard childhood right yes. they're not like oh man it's just like they're they're so great with numbers because it's compensating for seeking out the love of their family like nobody ever says that about right. those professions nor nor He's are they the more the best gym teacher because <laughs> his father was an alcoholic totally like you don't and also the idea that like that that person somehow more sane because they chose to be a, an accountant instead of a comedian. Right. There's also the like pathologizing people who choose comedy. Yeah, definitely. I think that there are, I mean, there are a lot of people that have a lot of different, different struggles in comedy, but I, I think there's also, I, I think those people um, can also be wonderful, kind people in addition to, you know, working through those kinds of issues. And I think that there are a lot of people that are like, l- that are less, Troubled. I don't want to speak, uh, you know, about, I don't want to like stigmatize mental illness in a troubling way, but you know what I mean? I think there are people with and without those kind of issues that work in all fields. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just so impressed that you are so loving and kind and down to earth and, um, also at the same time, so funny. Well, thank you. That's like a real lovely compliment. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on. I'm going to recommend people go out and find Physical Whisper. You don't need a Walkman to play it because um, it does have an MP3. Yeah, there's a download, download. code when you get the cassette or you it, it's on cassette <laughs> and uh, or you could just get it from iTunes and it's totally fine. I'm Josh Gondelman. It was a pleasure and people can go to follow you on Twitter either at um, Modern Seinfeld. Sure. Or at Josh Gondelman. At Josh Gondelman. I'm definitely, I tweet more there. And um, they can also go to your website to see where you're performing since you're performing all over the country. Yeah. And they can also tune in to um, Last Week Tonight. Yeah. They occasionally my face will be in a picture on the show, like uh, looking at a wedding cake that someone has had sex with or playing a video game on a phone. The, uh, occasionally I crop up in the graphics, as a lot of people on staff do. And congratulations on becoming uh, engaged. Thank you. Very, very excited. Very excited about that as well. Um, all right. Thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you to Nick Rad. Thank you to HeadGum. That's it for this episode. If you are in New York, do not miss Thursday, April 19th. It's the Employee of the Month six-year anniversary. I am also turning 29 again. Um, and we have a packed show, uh, including Bodies Be Rivers, the band, Susan Laurie Parks, um, the unbelievable Pulitzer winning playwright is also going to play music, Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, Employee of the Month, Houseman with um, Jelly D, and so much more. Um, so get your tickets. You can follow me at Katie Lazarus for updates about our special guests, and otherwise, um, go out, follow your dreams, or stay inside. You may need to stay inside to follow them, so I don't want to counsel you in one direction or the other. But either way, Follow them. Have a good one. All that you want and will become a nightingale That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>